on this episode horrible friend <laughs> bringing it right back down to the basement <laughs> it was all touching and true happy stories and just had to bring his dick into it somewhere i listen <laughs> there's nothing that gets me more happy than food and sex that's yeah. well let's be real we're men those are the basic things that we enjoy. It's not Why do, why do women try to even act like we're difficult? <laughs> we're not difficult. Seriously. <laughs> Feed us. Fuck us. Dog story. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to No Country for Old Mark and Juan. I am your host, Salmon Dad, and this is my co-host, <laughs> uh, Juan Smith. <laughs> I try to make sure that I keep it at the bottom when we start, because then that way, it just, just you can only go up from Juan Smith. <laughs> that is true. Okay, so real quick before we get into everything, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes or whatever podcast uh, platform you're listening to us on. That would be awesome. And as like a special incentive, if you write us a really clever or a really funny review, we may just read it out on a future episode if you like if it really makes us laugh. So we would really appreciate that. And yeah, please get in contact with us. Like us on all the social media. Anyways, uh, before we get into today's subject, Juan, please explain Sam and Dad real fast because I kind of have something to add to it. Okay, uh, Sam and Dad is a term that I came up with when I started noticing all these guys wearing the uh, pink shirts with the khakis. Yeah. And it just, it, it has an air of arrogance, <laughs> yet extreme whiteness. So... I refer to those as Sam and Dad, and then when I want to blend with other dads, I've been looking. It took me months, but I finally have a really solid Sam and Dad shirt. So I'm ready for any occasion now. What's really funny is I didn't think about this. Like we went and recorded. I was wearing my Sam and Dad shirt. I didn't think about it till the next day because the day before I had been wearing my shirt, and I saw my friend, and he was carrying around his like one year old son in the exact same shirt I was wearing. <laughs> So, case like, closed, son. Yeah, I, I was like, man, Juan nailed that right on the head. So, let's get into this. Today, we're going to have a special episode, and this episode is all about travel, whether it's traveling abroad or just traveling domestically or just getting out and traveling around your local area. Or just making it to the bathroom in the middle of the night without a catastrophe. <laughs> that is true. If you can make it to the bathroom without R. Kelly and yourself, then you're doing pretty good. Yeah, it's hopeless. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> also, like, kind of a funny side note thing. I sent, like, uh, a copy of the podcast to one of my friends, and I was like, hey, uh, could you give me some input on this? And she was like, well, what is this? Is this a podcast? And I was like, yeah. She goes, I only listen to one podcast. And I was like, okay, we'll just check this out. And she goes, nah. And I was like, why? She goes, I don't like comedy. I was like, we've been friends for 20 years. How are we still friends? And she's just completely ignored me ever since. For like, real? For real. Damn. Somebody likes to keep it on the dark side. I was like, maybe she's always hated my jokes. 
It just never told me. Wow. Yeah. And I've, you really know this person for that long? Yeah, I've known I've known her for twenty years. Does she laugh? She and actually, I was starting to think she's never going to hear this because she's obviously not going to listen. But I was um I was thinking about it and I was like, she doesn't laugh all that often. Like she laughs at some stuff. Like she, it's not like she doesn't have a sense of humor. She has a sense of humor, but like it's only in like certain specific things. Because with a couple months after I met her, me and it was at college, and me and my friend being the college guys who were like kind of douches sometimes she was like hey everybody come over and we'll have a birthday party for me and like her friend had made a cake and it was like a plate size cake it wasn't very big and so i told my friend i was like hey dude <laughs> like i will give you props forever if you pick up that cake and smash it in her face and he did <laughs> what yeah let me guess. She didn't think it was <laughs> she funny. She didn't laugh, but everybody <laughs> else did. <laughs> and I have a picture of that somewhere. I've just been am- unable to find it. I'm sure she has it, and I'm sure she still has, has holding that against me because, yeah, we all know that was me. <laughs> but anyways, on to the subject of trauma. I don't want to laugh. <laughs> God forbid that stress release. <laughs> yeah. Can't have those endorphins. Got to get those endorphins by, like, sitting around on the couch and frowning. So, travel. What got me thinking about this was travel is one of those things that I've noticed as I travel, and I I kind of grow as a person. Juan, you've traveled. Obviously not as much as me, but you have traveled. And I meet a lot of people. I go in circles. Yeah. But (laughs) most people... Don't travel. Like, I know lots of people who barely get out of their own town or barely get out of their own state. And maybe they, like, used to travel or they, like, get married and have kids. And then they say, oh, I can't travel because I have the family. And I can understand that it's hard. I mean, to be honest, though, the only people that really can travel are people who do not have kids at the time or can get, you know, someone to take care of them or whatever. But see, And you got to have the money to do it and the the time. Money so, and time, true. But the thing is, like, I I don't entirely buy into that because I grew up and like my family wasn't well off. Like we weren't dirt poor, but we were we were like barely lower middle class. And only my dad worked. My mom stayed at home. We we didn't have a lot of money, but we traveled a lot. But we traveled like always to like budget places. We did a lot of camping. Like by the time I was like. 15 years old, I had traveled across America several times and been to Mexico and Canada. Wow. So we did, and it was like, sometimes we flew, a lot of the times we drove. My dad, you know, he had a couple of weeks of vacation a year, and like, he sometimes, we he would use it all in one go. Sometimes we would make a lot of like weekend trips. And if you get really creative, if you really want to travel, like you can make it happen, even if you do have kids. Cause we, I mean, by the time I was fifteen, we drew, I had visited probably like thirty states. Well, not only that too. When, when you really got to define travel, right? When you say travel, a lot of times people think like, you know, you're gonna go to some tropical place, you're gonna go to Hawaii, you're gonna go to the Caribbean, uh, yeah, a, a cruise these type of things. But what's interesting to me is, like you said, how many people in the states haven't seen the states. It's yeah. like, don't you realize people come from all over the world to see things here? And, you know, I've traveled quite a bit in the States, and there's a lot of things here that are amazing. Mammoth yeah. Cave in, yeah. uh, what is that, Kentucky. 
uh, Arches National Park yep. out west. You know, all parts of California have amazing, you know, sites. It's not just Yosemite, you know. Oh, no. But, I mean, so there's a lot of places in the states that you can literally drive to that are just as amazing, you know, and cost-effective. Yeah, and it. I think a lot of it begins with your mentality towards travel because I – what, what really got me thinking about this was like I saw something on Facebook and a friend of mine. This guy has like lived in the central part of California most of his life. The furthest away he's gone is to like Los Angeles two or three times into the Bay Area, maybe like a dozen, couple dozen times. And he's been to like Nevada once and he's a year younger than me. So he's like 36. And I didn't understand. I was like, how can you not ever travel anywhere? But, like, he was raised in the environment where they just never left the town. Like, they never went and visited family or anything like that. Or their family was all really localized. And I think it's really beneficial to travel because you break out of your element. I mean, yeah, it can seem scary. Like, even if you aren't traveling internationally and you maybe don't have the funds to fly across, you know, the oceans or go to a different continent... You can do it. Like, even if you want to do it, like right now. Elio Gonzalez did it. <laughs> right now. Yeah. I went to Israel four months ago. It was the first time I had been out of the United States in 10 years. How about that military? <laughs> yeah, dude. I know. It, it, was, it was ridiculous. I have heard. <laughs> I have I'll get into photos. some stories about that. Um, but. I had been in a place in my life where I didn't have the funds to travel. I had the time, but I didn't have the funds. So I did like more local travel. For uh, two summers, like three months each summer, there was a friend of mine who had, uh, him and his family have like a family band. They're like a classic rock cover band and they went on tour. And they went on a tour that went out and they went out to like troubled towns or troubled drug areas and stuff to like try and reach out to people with like, you know, re it was more geared towards kids, like try to get kids into programs that would help them like after school programs and stuff so that they're not like out committing crimes or you know developing bad habits and so i wanted to go help with that and i got to play music which was really fun because i got to meet a ton of really cool people and then we went like all the west coast states and then we went to tennessee for a short little trip and i did all that for free like i didn't get paid for it for me the payment was the enjoyment and the benefit of living out my dream of being a professional musician yeah i didn't get paid for it but like you're in a band, a really good band, and you're traveling around and you're meeting people and you're playing like block parties and stuff. That was a super good experience. And, and a lot of people were just like, how do you do this? And I was like, well, there was something I really wanted to do and I found a way to make it, make it happen. And I don't understand people's excuses because my brother, he has a regular job. He makes regular wages and him and his wife, they don't travel a lot, but they travel as often as they can. Like this summer for their 10 year anniversary, or I should say this fall, um, they're going to go to Paris. So they've been like saving their money for a while. And they've so already sorry to hear that. <laughs> that is like one of the last places. I've... Here's the thing, man. They don't like us. Okay. They're not nice to you. Okay, you can't ask for directions. They just pretend they have no idea where they've lived in this city their whole life. They have no idea where it's at. You could be like, um, "Could you tell me where the Louvre is?" They, what is this? I don't because you know they know you're American. I mean, yeah. So yeah, but I don't know. Chicks always have this thing about 
wanting to go to Paris. <laughs> well, Luke and I went there 10 years ago. So he's wanted to take Alana there. We had a great time when we were there. There was like, when we were there, honestly, it was like half rudeness, half just blech. Like people oh, were so like overly Boston. nice. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you came here and you're suffering with us. Fine, I'll give you a direction. <laughs> it was a lot like Boston. I actually like Boston. I was there. I went there a couple times like in the last year. It was It was a good time. Not like one of my favorite places, but it was pretty good. But like, Speaking of the France, the France thing, it's really funny that you mentioned that because when I was in Israel a few months ago, I went to the desert to go hiking, and there was a French that guy. Safe. <laughs> I, I got to Israel stories. to go hiking in the desert. <laughs> yeah. I don't see any red flags. <laughs> so we. I'm gonna wear a target on my back too. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm living the. I'm living on the edge. Oh yeah, living the dream. Um, the, it's like dark tourism. <laughs> dark tourism. <laughs> the, the, uh, I, I stayed at this hostel, and it was like a tiny little hostel. It had maybe like 15, 20 beds. It wasn't very big, but it looked really cool on like the website. So I was like, I'll go stay there. So I go there, and they had like three hostel volunteers there. One was from France, one was from Canada, and the other one was from Germany. The guy from Germany spoke perfect English. Like, I thought he was American or Canadian. I, I, I was really impressed with his English. But this French lady, uh, her and I got to talking. And so she was like really, really nice, really bubbly, really friendly. And we were talking and she had uh, said, you know, have, have you ever been to France? I was like, yeah, I spent like a week in Paris 10 years ago and I had a great time. And she somehow it came up about like French people being rude. And there was two, there was a friend, another French guy that I went hiking with and then two other guys from France that were there. And I kind of became friends with the one French guy I went hiking with and he was really nice too. And he was really funny and actually really generous. And I was like, okay, you guys are breaking the stereotype of like rude French people. So this other guy comes in, he had barely said anything, he comes in, sits down, and he starts reading a book. And so she's talking to like, well, we're not like that, that's just a stereotype, and we've gotten a bad reputation over the years. Wait well, for it! <laughs> so she turns to the guy next to her, and she goes, right? And he says something to her in French, and she says something back, and he goes, oh no, we're all assholes. <laughs> See, there's my guy. Right? I said wait for it. I knew it's coming. And I just started laughing. And he looked at me and just like shrugged. It was like, what do you want? And just like went back to reading. I was like, and I'd yeah, be like, that's and we're all rich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you poor bastards. You know, because honestly, I mean, by, by any other world standards, I mean, the poorest Americans, we're doing fine. Yeah, we you are. You know what I mean? So, wee-wee <laughs> on that. Wee-wee. <laughs> it, was, it was really I'm cool. I'm so mad at them for serving fish on an airplane. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I don't think anything really makes an American fat person more angry. <laughs> Having to be on a flight, first of all, for a total of 18 hours, right? Yeah. yeah. But then to wake up after, like, six, and they're serving meals, and you're like, oh, well, some good shit's going to go down now. <laughs> and then they throw you a fucking croissant with fish on it. <laughs> and they're like, good morning. 
It's like, there's not a damn thing good about this. Fake ass weed. Steward us out of here. Take your damn fish with you. But yeah, so I don't. It's not that I. I don't. It's not like I have a bad. Like, I hate French people. I just don't want to be in their neighborhood. That's all. Um. It's, I have nothing against French people. I just, like you said the other day when we were talking about like me walking through the bad part of town and you're like, you've just become so calloused and it like kind of (laughs) clicked afterwards. I was like, I kind of am because like I've been to all these crazy places. So like when I go around like bad places locally, I'm like, meh, this is no big deal. And like, it doesn't even phase me. Oh yeah. Because if you go through like checkpoints, right? Like in a third world country. Yeah. And it's always terrifying because the guys carrying the guns. Yeah. Right? Oh, the, yeah. The, the guys carrying the guns are always the most excited of guys. Yeah, he and is. They're just like, whoa, can we not have the guy with the AK 47 like <laughs> bouncing around talking gibberish really fast and like yeah. pointing and everything? Like, yeah. You're just like, are we, are we getting through? Or what are we, do I got to pay <laughs> the guy? Like, I'll give him whatever he wants. But, you know, it's, it's scary because in Africa, when we went, and was that seven or nine or whatever, oh nine or something, whatever. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. You'd only go a few miles. Yeah. And then to be like, oh crap, it's another Check roadblock or <laughs> checkpoint with a bunch of scary people with guns. <laughs> yep. You know, it's like I remember going to the bank and I walked up to the bank and there's two guys standing outside the bank with AK 47s. Yeah. And at first I was a little intimidated, then I realized I'm a fat white American today. <laughs> Let me right in there. Yeah. They're not going to question me. Oh, no. But what yeah, was... but at first, when you see that, you're just like, wow. Because, like, if American complete police had that kind of clout, oh, you know, we'd just goodness. all be dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we really would. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that all police are trigger happy. No. But, but they're there's... killing a lot of people. That's all I'm saying. You, you can put yeah. it together any way you want. I don't know. It just seems really ironic that the person who has the ability to, to take your life like that has like two years of college. Yeah, it's kind of seems actually, a little liberal actually, or less. There, I was just gonna say I know someone who just finished up police academy and is now like getting a job as a police officer. Still has yet to finish his second year of college. Really smart person. Really good person. But hopefully actually, not trigger and, happy. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know if she's trigger happy or not. Oh, it's a a female on top of it. Yeah. Woo. Oh, she would. People might say that I'd be like like anti-feminism. And I joke a lot, you know. But honestly, uh, I've met good and bad, you know, as far as police go. Oh, yeah. You know, I guess it's like any other profession. But anytime that you have guns trained on you. You're just like, please don't let one of them be the dumb one. I don't. I don't need to be an episode of Cops. Exactly. You know, I've, I've been on. I, I learned something when I was like 14. You know, when like you know they send the police officer to school, officer to school, and all that, and you know they talk to you. One day it was a situation like that, and I went and talked to the police officer afterwards, and I said, and I was just like a kid. I was like, if I ever get, whenever I get pulled over in the future, whenever I get stopped by a police officer in the future, I said, what can I do to make this as easy as possible? 
I said, because I don't want to get in a situation where like I'm making you nervous or making you feel like you need to protect yourself from me. And he said, make sure I can see your hands or make sure the officer can see your hands. He said, let him talk. And he said, if you are polite and respectful, and he said, if you don't raise your voice, he said, nine times out of 10, you won't get a ticket. And if, if he said, even if you're doing something stupid, you'll get off with a warning. He said, the key is be polite and respectful. So and that's what I've been doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's crazy because it's worked. I got pulled over a few weeks ago. I did that and the guy let me go. It was for some like fix it ticket. It wasn't a big deal. The craziest thing though was um, like 15 years ago, I w- had a motorcycle and I was driving through a school zone doing 60 miles an hour. And in California, you can actually be arrested for that because He's it's considered asshole, reckless driving. An <laughs> and normally, like occasionally, there was like a state patrol out there, like pulling people over. And I was in the evening, and I thought, you know what? Nobody's gonna be out here. And I come down this hill, just flying through there. And there was a cop sitting right there, right on the side of the road where he usually was. He didn't even turn on his lights. I just stopped and I pulled over right in front of him. He didn't even move his car. Cause I knew he, cause he was like sit, he was standing on the outside of. The oh, car. you knew so you were busted. Yeah, I knew I was. So I pulled off. I I just shut off the motorcycle and I kept my hands on the handlebars. And he comes over and he said, didn't you know? Didn't ask me to take off my helmet or anything. And he said, you know, he said, hey, he said, do you know why I pulled you over? Please get off the bike. And I said, yeah, yeah. So I got off the bike and I said, yes, I know why you pulled me over. And he said, please explain to me why. And I said, because I said, there's a lot of jerks like me that are speeding through here and we know we shouldn't, but we're doing it anyway. And he just didn't say anything. And he said, you know the thing. He's like, give me your license registration. And I was like, if I'm not getting arrested, I'm getting a giant ticket. Because, I mean, I know it was going to be huge. And so he, he went over to the car and then he came back and he just said, like, he was not in a good mood. Like, I could tell he was not in a good mood. He said, son, I have had a really rough day. He said, you are the first person that hasn't swore at me, that hasn't yelled at me, and that hasn't made excuses to me. He said, how fast were you going? And I said, I was doing 60. And he said, well, my radar got sent to you, you were doing 55. And I said, I looked down when I saw you and I said, I was doing 60. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I don't ever want to see you ever again. He said, if I do, I'm going to give you the maximum fine, whatever that is. And I told him, I said, you're never going to see me again. He said, I want you to know something. I said, what's that? He said, 15 minutes before I saw you, he said, a guy came through in like a modded out like Honda. And he said, he was doing 75 through here. Through here. He said, I pulled him over and he said, he cussed me out for like five minutes. He said, I gave him a, over a $700 fine. He said, but you were the first person today that was decent to me. He, he was like, get out of here. And I was like, bye. Wow. So I learned from that. I, I learned from that. Cause I've, I've heard people tell me stories about how like they got pulled over and they argued with the cop or they yelled at the cop and then they get upset when they get a ticket or, you know, something happens. And I was like, I've always remembered that because I mean, if you think about it, you're doing a job that's really tough and you're doing a job where like a lot of people are either afraid of you or don't like you. So you're already on the defensive as a police officer. So why not? I mean, I'm sure they love it if someone treats them with like respect and dignity. Because I do. I'm sure they hardly ever get it. Well, here's the thing. 
I treat everybody with respect and dignity, whether you're have a badge or not. Yeah. Um, but my last two experiences with police officers, but basically the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> See, the last one, my wife uh, was hit by a young kid a couple months back. Yeah. It was clearly his fault. He ran the light. Well, I figured out that this is local. You know, we're a small town. Yeah. I figured out she must know this kid or knows his dad or something. Yeah. And she comes over to my wife's car and starts reading her the riot act and saying there's, you know, all this stuff. So my wife calls me on the phone. I'm in another vehicle. I pull up. I assess the whole scene. I see where it happened. Let's check out the intersection. I finally see the squad car. So I park, and I walk over to her. And she's like, oh, this this is my husband. She's like, oh, okay. And uh, she's, you know, really being rude to my wife. Uh, my six-year-old's in the car, and the kid hit right where my kid was sitting. Yeah. Dented in the whole side of the car. No concern for the kid. He, uh, she has no concern, apparently, either. She said he needed to be in some kind of child restraint seat that he didn't need to be in, and she was really rude about it. And so I just said, well, I said, he's six years old. She said, well, I don't believe he's six. I said, well, I don't care what you believe. <laughs> I'm telling you, this kid's six years old. Yeah. I'm his dad. I know he's six. Yeah. And my wife said, yeah, I already told her that he, he was six years old, and she told me that I'm lying. And I said, well, here's the deal. Your assessment of my wife is incorrect. She's not lying. And I'm going to tell you my assessment. So you're lying because you're saying this kid was at fault, that he wasn't at fault. She's like, yeah, well, there were skid marks in the intersection showing that he had really slowed down. I was like, okay, I just was in that intersection. There are no skid marks. So you're full of shit. I'm like, you know this kid. Straight up told. I said, you know this kid. You know his parents. Is his parent a cop? Is that what it is? She straight up turned to me and walked away. No ticket, didn't say anything, just turned and got in her car and left. i never seen her before, I, whatever. Yeah. But I knew that she was bullshitting me, and I was like, you're bullshitting me. You're lying. Like, don't don't think because you have a badge you can lie, right? Yeah. You know, and I wasn't, if I wouldn't have talked to her, she had not been so rude. So I was like, if you're going to be that level, then I'm going to go right to your level. Like, if you're not going to be civil with me. And you're going to be disrespectful to my wife and everything else and to my kid. My kid's yelling at the police officer. I'm yeah. six. And um, so that kind of what happened with that. But then in the end, she ended up folding. <laughs> Just walked off, got in her car, and left. Big old fat lady, too. Not, not that, you know, that, that aided in it. But what happened was I found out later, this is the cop that I'd been hearing about for years in oh. town. The one that, like, they're like, don't ever. If yeah. she pulls you over, too, like, it's over. And, you know, so... I was like, ooh, that could have went bad. Real bad. But about a year before that, there's a state trooper office and uh, about two miles north of where I'm at, and I'm close to a highway. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day, the highway it bottles next down as it goes into a rural area. And this car would not let me merge in. And I'm like, and I'm not like a cocky driver. I'm like an old man, dude. I drive slow. I stay in the back. And I'm not aggressive. If someone flicks me off, I don't care. I figure they're having a bad day, and I chuckle, right? Not yeah. a big deal. But this car wouldn't let me in. So finally, I just like slammed on the brakes, got behind the guy. All of a sudden, the car in front of me slams on his brakes, stops all northbound traffic on M53, a highway, gets out of his car, comes back to, I was driving a van at the time, yelling, screaming at the top of his lungs. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
he's a police officer, state trooper. Now, he's not completely dressed yet. Like, yeah. his shirt's not tucked in. He's not fully... He's in his civilian car. Yeah. So this happened in his civilian car. This... this yeah, he demands. He, yeah, so he demands to see my license anyway. Now I'm pissed, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be a dick. I respect. I can see that he's a half-dressed officer, so at some point today, he's going to be fully dressed officer. So yeah. I'll give him my license. Bastard took my license, got in his car, and took off. <laughs> what? <laughs> the reason why was he knew I would follow him. Yeah. So I followed him the two miles up to the police station where the state troopers have their thing. Yeah. He jumps out of his car, runs inside. I'm sitting in the parking lot like, I don't know the protocol for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I wait? Do I just say fuck it? Like, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait and see what's going on. Because I wanted him to know that I felt the way that he acted was completely unprofessional. Unprofessional. Yeah. So he comes out and I'm calm, still talking low. I'm like, hey. Uh, he comes out. He gets out of his ticket book starts yeah. writing me a ticket because when he came out of the building, it was on the other side. He yeah. got in his squad car, drove around the building to where I was parked to park the squad car next to me, then gets out and proceeds to start to write me tickets. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, he's threatening me. He's telling me he's going to throw me in jail and all this stuff. And I was like, apparently you think I'm some kind of an ignorant asshole. <laughs> and I said, here's the truth. I cannot go to jail for having an opinion. Yeah. I have every right to raise my voice because you're literally yelling in my face to the point where you're spitting on me. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if you're aware, but I think you have a blood pressure problem because you have a <laughs> giant vein right now sticking out of your forehead. You know, and he's like, I'm going to write you for everything. I go, go ahead, write it up, write it up. You know, I'm like, it's fine. I'll see you in court. You know? Yeah. He's like, you don't see me in court. I was like, you know, he's like, you're going to see me in jail. And I was like, dude, please. I'm like, you're not, there's no, you can't take me in because you don't like me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I can't press charges against you because you're an asshole. Yeah. He's like, you can't talk to me like that. And I go, you talk to me like that? <laughs> I was like, let me guess. Let me guess. You're the kind of guy that goes home, kicks your dog and beats your wife, right? That's you. <laughs> Like, I was pissed <laughs> Yeah. at this point because I'm thinking, okay, well, then it's going to go down in this parking lot. But I also knew that they had, like, video surveillance for that parking lot. Yeah. And, dude, in court, I'm going to landslide victory. Yeah. So I knew this. So I was just giving it to him. Cause I was like, so after he ends up getting so mad that I thought he was going to have a stroke, you know, he's when he's writing this ticket, he's so mad. It's like breaking the pen. He's like... You know, it's, every letter is just grooved in the paper, and you know. Yeah. And uh, I saw him in court, man. You want to talk about some sweet justice, man? Got in court. <clears throat> I didn't think he was even going to show up. Yeah. Because I thought nobody's that stupid. He's not gonna, you know. Because what he didn't realize was I had a video camera on me. Yeah. I videotaped him getting out of his car, approaching me in my vehicle, and his. So when this got to court, right, the judge just tore him up, man. <laughs> Like, I can't even remember. Like, I think he got in trouble in the end. <laughs> and they threw it out, and I thought that was the end of it. Yeah. Two months later, man, I'm about half an hour away from my house. Totally different town. Yeah. Right, city, whatever. And I hear someone screaming in traffic. My window's down. 
yeah. yelling at me, but by name. <laughs> I'm like, what the f- Who the fuck? Right? I look, it's that officer. And I'm going to say his name because I don't give a shit. It's Officer Herrera. He's a state trooper up here in Bruce Township, Michigan. Watch out because he's a hothead. This, if I hope he's fired, but whatever. And if I see you again, we can go round two. I really don't give a shit. Because um, that guy does not need to be a police officer. I told him he needed to go to anger management. And he needed some kind of sedation. If he's going to be like that at work, because he's ridiculous. I was like, you're the kind of guy that would shoot somebody and just be completely in the wrong. And you just think like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and it was, and it was like that, you know? So anyways, the long story short was, he, you know, he ended up getting, but so he's yelling at me and yeah. I realized, holy shit, it's officer Herrera. Yeah. Obviously I left an impression because he remembered my name. That's nuts. Yeah. And he was in his, in his regular Pers- civilian car his personal car again <laughs> you know and i just you know what i did what i laughed yeah. rolled up the window yeah kept going good score one for one yeah <laughs> fuck you herrera <laughs> fuck you <laughs> but there are some decent cops out there i just oh definitely. apparently not in my town yeah. <laughs> now I'm really fucking myself, right? Like if, I ever, if I ever fucking make it, and they're like, hey, it's it's uh, that podcast guy, Juan. Pull him over. It's time to move to a different state. <laughs> Speaking of travel, I probably need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find you a place down here. I need some. I, wait, it's funny, too. You know, you ever get like bullshit tickets somewhere? Yeah. And then like over time, it turns into like the world's worst case. Yeah. Like I got I got a ticket in Tennessee once. Or no, no, Georgia for uh parking in a handicap parking and it was like a mountain or something. I don't mm. know. I didn't notice it was handicap parking. It was like we went hiking. Come on. Yeah. What are they coming up here in wheelchairs with four wheel drive? Come on, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it. So I got a ticket. It was like one of those like mails it in. Yeah. The, yeah. I was like, Yeah, I'm paying that. It's like <laughs> two thousand miles from my house. Sure, I'll get right on that, Bob. <laughs> Go ahead and make that check out to you. Of course you're not going to pay that shit, right? <laughs> like a year later, I get this thing from the state of Georgia saying, there's a bench warrant out for me in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. So apparently I won't be traveling there anytime soon. <laughs> like, I don't know how long a bench warrant lasts. But I it's Georgia. Know. They probably don't forget, boy. Like they, <laughs> Oh, I'm sure they you don't. Because growing up in Mississippi, man, that hate runs deep and it lasts <laughs> yeah. a long time. It so uh, you're South. not going to get off. So I'm, I'm still afraid like, to go to Georgia. <laughs> like, I, well, I understand why. <laughs> but probably for like 100 bucks, I probably could clear this up. But Yeah, probably really quick. Listen, some of your life, you got to live a little in the red. Yeah. <laughs> just to make yourself feel interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> we got off topic there a little bit, but that was a no, fantastic we're still traveling. story. Yeah, we're still traveling. You just got to watch your travel, especially if you have a bench warrant. Going back to being in Israel, speaking of like crazy cops, this isn't exactly a cop story, but you had already brought up the army and the military there in Israel. The presence there of the military is so heavy. I don't know how people can't feel safe. Like everywhere you go, there are soldiers of some sort, especially in Jerusalem. You have like the Muslim police and the Israeli police, and then you have the local, like regular police, the city police. And then you have like the military on top of that. And in Israel, don't all the females have to serve also? Yeah. It's men and women. It's everybody. Men and women. It's it, everybody. You're women all serving. Ha- yeah. Women that's, serve. That's kind of cool. Three- really. Yeah, it is. 
it actually is really cool. After like talking with everybody there, I was like, everybody is military experience. They have like a, st- they don't have a big standing army, but they have all these people in reserve. Everybody's we just have Texans. To- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but- Shit goes down, brother. Move to Texas. You got your back. <laughs> oh, everybody there's even- got a gun. Oh, it's, it's not even. And, and the, uh, in Texas here, we have open carry. So like. A lot of people just carry it around openly, and it's not even a thing. When I first moved here, that was kind of weird. Now I'm used to it. So that's probably another reason why I'm callous, because I see dudes rolling around the store with, like, you know, a cold Hand 45. cannons. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> it, it's always a hand cannon. It really is. It's never, like, a little, like, concealed carry gun. It's always some giant, like, 44 or something. Well, if you're going to open carry, right, and you're a dude, are you going to carry the little dick gun? Oh, no. No, you're, no, man. You're, you're a carrying, monster. like, you know, you're going to carry a Desert Eagle 50. Yeah. You know, I would. <laughs> I'm not going out like some some bitch carrying like some little, you know, snub nose thirty eight. <laughs> but me, I carry a shotgun because uh, <laughs> I'm blind and I like splatter effect. <laughs> you want to make sure to hit it. Yeah, I want to hear it go. You know. <laughs> so we're in Israel. This was after I met after after that hostel where I met all those really cool people. So I go to leave the morning. And I get on the bus, and every bus there, like it's half full of soldiers and guys going from to an or or prison workers going to and from their jobs at the prison or a military base that they're at. I mean, everywhere I traveled, it was like that. It's so cheap to travel there; it's ridiculous. Like I travel the I mean, the trains and the buses are so cheap. I wish that was here in America because I could come visit you on the weekends, and I probably cost me like. 15 bucks. I mean, it's insane. Really? I went from like, I would go on these trips, like a trip, it would be like 175 miles and it was like 350 US. Damn, and I like, can't even walk for 350. Yeah, and they aren't, <laughs> and it's, they aren't even a poor country. Like they're considered like an, a Western European country. Like they have a good economy and everything. So I get on this bus. Actually, I was standing at the bus station waiting for the bus and this lady starts talking to me. She's probably like a couple years younger than me. She's like half Russian, half German, and she's asking me what I'm doing there. And we just, you know, talk a little bit about why we're there. The bus comes, we get on, she finds a seat, sits down, I find a seat, sit down, like, you know, a couple a couple seats ahead and on the other side of the bus. Excuse me. <coughs> so the the we stop at this military base and like ten soldiers get on. This one guy goes and sits next to her, a soldier, and he starts talking to her in either German or Russian or Hebrew. I don't know because she knew how to speak like five languages. But they're talking and I can't understand her. I'm talking to somebody else and then finally I like pop my earbuds in. I'm listening to music. It's like an hour and a half bus ride. So we get to this big hub in Beersheba and there's like a big bus hub where I'm going to go walk across the street to catch a train to go to Tel Aviv. So I like hop off the bus and um, I like start walking towards the security, get on the bus security, get off the bus security, walk into the bus station security, walk out of the bus station security, security, security. it's everywhere in, in Israel. They do not mess around. You're just constantly walking through metal detectors. I was like, I, I shouldn't be afraid of anything here. So I go get in line and I'm like super relaxed, super chill. And this woman comes up behind me. I don't know. And she like grabs me and she goes, please take me to my next bus. And I said, well, I said, I kind of didn't understand. And I said, well, where are you trying to go? And she told me I'm trying to go wherever. I forget where it was. And she goes, please. And I said, okay. She's, I'm going to meet a friend, but I have to drive the next bus by myself. And I'm really scared right now. And I was like, oh, well, what happened? She said, that guy pointed to him. 
he was telling me all this stuff that was really scaring me. And I was like, what? She was like, he was threatening me, threatening me, saying that women like me, like, if, the, if, the, if how do, it was, it, her English wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. And so it was worded something like, he was telling me that if I don't, like, have him with me, I'm going to disappear. And I said, well, I said, I'm sure you'll he be could fine. could just ask her out. I mean. Uh... Yeah. Well, then she said, no, no, no. She said, I'm not afraid of somebody else taking me and like assaulting me. She said, I'm afraid of him. And I said, well, what did he say? And she said, it's, it's hard for me to explain. And I said, okay. She said, I'm really, really scared. She said, because he said he, it's his time off so he can go wherever he wants. And I was like, oh, crap. She doesn't want him stalking her. And I was like, okay, now I can understand why she's scared. So like immediately I get really, really frustrated and angry because there's one, if there's one thing that really gets under my skin is when like a guy threatens a woman like that or makes her feel uncomfortable, like she's threatened for her safety and she's going to get like raped or sexually assaulted or violated. That's just, I don't mess around with that. That really makes me mad. So I, I said, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. God. That's so jacked up. Only under controlled environments. So I, I a horrible friend. Just a horrible friend. I'm so sorry. No, no, don't do. It. Don't make me start laughing really hard and shit. Because like I said, I'm still injured from the last podcast. You're injured? My throat is still raw from puke. <laughs> For those of you who listened to the last podcast, if you did, I legitimately pulled like, I pulled abs that I haven't used since like 1986, I think. <laughs> like, it hurts to laugh. It hurts to cough. <laughs> like, I was going to be like, man, I'm like, you wouldn't think you'd get, in, get injured. Using a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting there using a microphone. Especially. But if you guys could see Mark laugh and see the color changes in his head. Oh, I'm sure my face is like red. Too, <laughs> I get really red when I laugh. For oh. Anybody out there who knows me knows that. Maybe we'll have I to almost like, put, I, you want truth, truth, what? real talk? Yeah. Yeah. I almost wrap my whole abdomen in uh, ace bandages <laughs> to try and compress to hold that because the fat doesn't work to do that. Put some ice packs in there. <laughs> put, put some Bengay on there. That's when you know you're out of shape, right? When you can just laugh yourself into an injury. You're like, you go into the ER. It's like, what happened? It's like, I, I laughed too hard. It's like, excuse me? Yeah, man, I laughed too hard. I think I pulled everything. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. I just no had to problem. let you know. Take it easy on me, man. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> so I I finally helped this chick find her bus. And I stood there and waited till the bus left to make sure this guy, like, didn't go hop on the bus. Just because, like, I'm not really going to, like, do anything, like, you know, fight him or nothing. But I'm like, I just want to make sure that she can feel safe going where she's going. Was she so, exceptionally attractive or was it, like, average or, like, was it? So, she was average, but she was just concerned. She was just concerned, and, it, it, and then like I can understand. Like uh, I actually know two women who've traveled abroad, and both of them were they weren't raped, but someone tried to rape them, 
and they were traveling by themselves. So like, it's a terrible thing because like, I, it's not something I typically think about. It's more just like, I don't want to get beat up for my money or my wallet or whatever. And so like, it's something I can't really understand as a man, especially like I'm a big guy. And I'm kind of an intimidating guy, so very few people will mess with me. It's got to be like a group of guys. But that's one thing that bothers me because, like, it's something that's easy to forget as a guy is that a single woman, obviously, she want, there's tons of single women or even just women that want to travel. But I can't even imagine, you know, I'm going to a foreign country and I'm going there alone, or even if it's a couple of women going to it, like, there's a certain level of fear there because you want to make sure that you don't go through this terrible experience. Well, let's, let's be honest, man. There is a vast difference between the male single population in the States versus the aggressive natures of some of the male um, societies outside of the States where men are just much more sexually aggressive, right? Because yeah. here... You're not dealing with that. You're dealing with a bunch of yard gnomes who play video games until their mid thirties. Yeah. These guys aren't getting laid at all. So like you're pretty safe here. <laughs> you know? You just throw like I don't know one of those Xbox Live cards and run. <laughs> you're, you're safe, ladies. You are safe as shit. That or some Cheetos, a little bag of Cheetos. Throw that shit to the side. You're good. You got at least thirty seconds to run for it. Because in the States, these guys are just not killing the pussy, man. They're just not. It's, we're going like two generations deep of just patheticness. I don't mean to sound like an old dick that's just like, oh, you know, my day, we actually talked to women, but we did. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was back in the Putain Delta back in 84, man. Where things were rough before razors. All right, speaking of French people. So, you know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that there's a big difference. So, like in in states, I think men tend to be a lot more courteous to women here than they do other places. It's like, yeah. have you ever been to to places like Spain? Yeah. And how the everyone is a super macho man, or like yeah. Brazil, where like men even get offended if you ask their age. Yeah. Because well, they're so vain. Like, but that's there are some actually, handsome motherfuckers down there. It's okay. like it's not even fair. That's the thing about Israel, though. Like. Everyone in Israel is like a model. It's ridiculous. Like all the guys are super fit, super attractive. All of the women are super fit and super attractive, like all around. It's just like absurdly beautiful people. But the guys there are too, like way too over aggressive, way rude. They just think they can come up and be super forward. And like I met a lot of women there that were not from there, Canadian, American, and they were like, I can't stand the men here. They will not leave me alone. And like, I'm, it's just unbearable. She said, I thought like guys were douchebags in America. She's like, it really opened my eyes to the perspective that, you know, while there are jerks and, you know, guys that are going to try and do bad stuff, even here in the States, she was like, this opened my eyes to that. All the world isn't like that. The world is different everywhere. And that's actually a good lesson to learn. No, yeah. In our travel. society, they strive to always make sure that, that there's like a, an attempt toward equality. Right. It's in American culture. It's, it's very taboo to be like, uh, you know, f f you know chauvinistic towards women. Right. And it should be. It's, it should yeah. be. I mean, like legitimately, you know, like yeah. treating women like shit, uh, because that's why you're alone. Yeah. And no one touches your dick and you're it, just a loser. But yeah. I mean, other places, it's just different. Like a lot of it has to do with, the level of openness with sexuality. That's a lot. Like when American girls go to some places outside the States, 
and they have that vast more openness about it, that kind yeah. of freaks them out a little bit. Yeah. You know, as and, men, we're just like, okay, this is opening up some lanes. <laughs> but uh, but as Americans, we don't have the game to hang with those guys. Come on, man. They're playing no. soccer at 45. Yeah. You know, what are we doing? Yeah. Podcasting, for God's sake. <laughs> That guy's out there kicking the ball in the goal, you know? He's out there kicking a ball in the goal, and I'm in my slacks and my salmon shirt. <laughs> the fact that you wear slacks just kills me. That's <laughs> like, as being the senior of the two, and not even owning a pair of slacks, I feel pretty good about that. But you got to have a salmon dad shirt, or you're just not American. <laughs> I think that is true. So we get... Back to the story. I get to my destination. I go to a few different places for like the next week. I wind up in Jerusalem like a week later. I get off the bus. I was actually sick. I had eaten some bad food. I, I think it was some bad yogurt because all I had for breakfast that day was like yogurt and a couple other things. And all day I had felt terrible. So I get off the bus and I'm just like, I want to find the hostel. So I walk out of the bus station and I just start walking to the next hostel. It's like two miles away. I was like, I'm just going to walk. So Did I like, you say two miles? Yeah. And I'm just going to walk? But yeah. you just said you could travel yeah. like hundreds of miles for like 350? Yeah. Like you didn't just think like I could get a nickel out and not have to walk? <laughs> no, I actually could have rode. There was like a, a light train, like an electric light train that went from the bus station to the hospital, but I just decided to walk. I thought it would be fun. Okay. In the first three days I was in Israel, I walked 26 miles. Like I was kind of on like a hiking journey. I wanted to explore things on foot. You wouldn't so recognize me after that. I would, <laughs> I would just turn into a gelatinous, sweaty mass. <laughs> Going in circles because I'd be lost. <laughs> in, That's in the, crazy. The day I hiked in the desert, I hiked 13 miles away from the town I was and then hitchhiked back. And I like hiked up a mountain and then down the mountain, then up another mountain and down another mountain in the okay. 13 miles. That is something that people, if you've never traveled, that is something that's really interesting that I love about going to other places, which is unlike the States... A lot of places, hitchhiking is perfectly safe. Oh, yeah. It's I picked perfectly... up hitchhikers when I was there, and I was a the... hitchhiker. In Africa, you just climb up the back of a truck and hop on, man. Yeah, did like, that there, too. Right. I think uh, Joel rode, like, the top of an oil tanker for, yeah. like... Joel uh, and Luke eight... and I did. It was all of you guys? Yeah. For, like, hours and hours. <laughs> just like... We're like, That's... hey, place to sit. Dude, you can probably play cards up there. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I, but that but I really like that because I'm. Listen, I'm gonna be honest. One of my secret pleasures is still picking up hitchhikers. <laughs> because here's the thing: yeah. who's got the balls <laughs> to throw a thumb up at thumb up at 2019 in the states as a That's hitchhiker? True. <laughs> and then you think, who in the fuck? <laughs> is gonna pick that person up, male, female. It could be a baby. You'd be like, not falling for that shit, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? The last guy I picked up, <laughs> true story, wasn't even that long ago, and he was just like four hundred pound, like big, big guy from the city, right? And his nickname was Big Mo, <laughs> coolest guy ever. Yeah. And he goes, hey, man, 
I live right down the street. And I was thinking, no, you don't, but I'll play along, right? Yeah. So uh, down the street meant down the street. Yeah. Down into the hood, right? <laughs> and uh, he's like, man, I can't believe you picked me up. I said, I can't believe you'd think anyone would pick you up. <laughs> and he just started laughing, you know. And we ended up having a really great conversation. And I took him all the way down to like six mile, man. Oh, my goodness. Right? It's like six mile in Van Dyke, which is just like, <laughs> it's de- it's you don't deep. stop for red lights, nothing, no. man. You just turn that bitch around and get back north, right? Luke drove a, Luke drove the wrong way on a one-way street down there and said, I don't care. <laughs> oh, no. no. Even, I've been pulled over like that before. They're just like, oh, you were lost. Yeah. Get the, get the hell out of the city. No, seriously. Yeah. Like, escorted me out of the city of Detroit. But, yeah, that's what happened. And, uh. But I just thought it was hilarious that, you know, 20 years ago, everyone used to do this. Now, now it's like I saw a lady get in an accident in front of me in the, in the country even. Yeah. A deer ran into the side of her car. She didn't hit the deer. The deer hit her. But it, like, wrecked her car out. She crashed and everything. And I go up to her, and I'm like, can I help you? And she's like, no, I've got a phone. I'm like, now people are even afraid to get, like, help. Yeah. Like, you're not – it's not – they're afraid to even get help. And now people are afraid to help people. Because yeah. it's like, well, what if I drag them out of the car and then they had a neck injury and now they're going to get sued and like, yeah, things are just so impersonal now. That's what yeah. I'm saying. If you see a thumb, take a risk. <laughs> it's probably going to be a really cool person. Probably is. You know, um, let's put it this way: they can't. The probability that they're going to commit a crime on you while they've already advertised themselves to other people. I mean, it seems. I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking for. For some crazy people to hang out with, but it just seems like there's a need, especially today. If you're going to do that in today's world, I don't think you're faking it. Yeah. So you know, I'm not saying it's the best thing to do. I'm not saying people sh- should do it. I'm just saying I do it because, uh, <laughs> well, I wouldn't have met Mo, now would I? <laughs> no. Yeah. Now you have a great story because of it. And now I know if I end up a great Mo Street, yeah, I'm safe. Yeah. Big Mo, talk out for me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Back to Jerusalem, I get off the bus and I'm walking down the street because I'm walking and I run into that girl that I helped out on the other bus. The same girl? The same girl. Dude, I and knew I, this. I didn't know her girl. name. So I walked up, tapped on the show. I said, hey, excuse me. I said, do you remember me? She goes, oh, yeah. And I said, obviously everything went well and you were safe. And she goes, yeah, I just came here to spend like five days here. I was like, oh, cool. Me too. She goes, well, where are you staying at? I was like, oh, the post hostel down by the old city. She's like, oh, me too. I was like, well, crap. I was like, cool. So she said, will you walk with me there? And I was like, yeah. So we went there. We went to the market, bought some food, went there, then walked into the old city to explore. Because once again, she's like, I don't want anything weird to happen. I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. So we walked around for a while until I almost threw up because I was so sick. So I then went back to my room and threw up for like two and a half days. But, and I didn't see her again or anything after that, but I actually had a really good time because like, even though I was sick, I got my, the other people that were in my room in the hostel, I got to meet really cool people. One of the people that stayed there on the days while I was sick was actually from Houston. <laughs> I was like, small world. And then wow. I got to meet people from Germany, uh, two guys from China who were, who were hilarious, and then another lady from South America. It was really, really cool. And like the thing that I love about 
traveling, even if it's just domestic travel, you, you gain so much more self-confidence because you're putting, even if you're going with other people, you're doing new things and you're learning it's okay to break out of your bubble. And you're also realizing and learning that it's okay to fail sometimes. Like when I go traveling, even like how she tried to stalk you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in the end, they end up getting sick and kind of spoiling their whole plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, really, she wasn't aware of him stalking her. She just happened to run into you again. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so, but it's, it's, oh, it's, re, you, re, like, the thing I've learned is like, it's okay. Like when I say it's okay to fail, like you can go into a foreign country where you don't learn the language and you're just like trying to pick it up. Like I'm terrible with foreign languages Ooh. and I try, but I'm pretty awful at it. I'm Hispanic hundred percent. Right. I can't speak yeah. a word of Spanish. I hate to even admit it. It's one of those <laughs> things. That's just, it's a dark part of my existence. <laughs> you know, when you go to a Mexican restaurant and you can barely read the menu. Yeah. You know, and then like people find out that you're, you know, Latin American. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's like you said, you know, when you when you travel, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, and you it's know? actually good cuz then you learn from it. Well, let me help let me help the listeners out cuz some of the things you don't want to learn, you just want to know. Yeah. If you are ever going out of the states, it is a really good idea in your backpack or whatever you carry on with you to always carry your own roll of toilet paper. Definitely. Because how many times have you gone somewhere and then you ask like where the bathroom is and they don't even have the option yep. of toilet paper. Yep. And you're just like, okay. Yep. Okay, we're finger painting. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, but that's what the, you know. When, when I got... When that reality happened to me in Africa, I like I was like, "Oh, okay, where's the restroom?" And then I like go in there, and there's uh, there's no toilet paper in there. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't even like a piece on the floor. I could like you know flip over. Nothing. Yeah. I, had, I had you know. I was like, "Well, how do they?" Oh my god. Yeah. Like the light went on, right? Yep. So that's why you only shake hands with the other hand. Yep. And you never do, right? Yep. That is just still that's as an American, that's just too far still for me. It is. And actually, when I was in Turkey at the airport, they don't even have toilet paper at in Istanbul. Airport, in Istanbul, they didn't even have toilet paper, which Damn. I was shocked. Yeah, because a lot of places they, they church it up for the tourist areas. Yeah. And I really had to go, <laughs> but I had brought Kleenex, so I was okay because I thought I'm shoving something in my backpack because I'm I know I'm probably going to need it at some point in time. I just oh. didn't expect it to be at the airport. And if you're older, you want to go wet wipes on that. Yeah, just heads up. Yeah. So it's it, <laughs> I so I specifically went to Israel because. I wanted to meet real Muslim people and get to know them because in the city of Nazareth and even in Jerusalem, there's a large population of Muslim people. And it like kind of had this epiphany when I was thinking about going to Israel was I was like so much of our media and our entertainment, the villains or I should say Muslim people or people from Middle Eastern countries are portrayed as villains. Like look at all the pop, a lot of popular TV shows and movies. A lot of them are like Muslim villains and there's the, they're the extremists. They're like back in the eighties, it was like the communists and the Russians. And now it's switched over to, 
you know, I mean, you watch any old '80s and '80s movie like Red Dawn or even like Hunt for Red October. Well, yeah, it's know. all it's all propaganda, man. It is all and propaganda. I don't, I don't like. I'm not big on politics and stuff like that. But it just kind of seems funny. Like every ten years, they pick a new group to hate. Yeah. Or like you know, that's supposedly like some, like it's almost like watching Inspector Gadget. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's the evil next evil, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like Scooby Doo episode, or you know, <laughs> but somehow like the, somehow the evil guy is always somehow a bumbling idiot. Nancy like, yeah. Cotton in the end, you know, and yeah. I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for your cruise missiles. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like I went there because I was like I went to open my eyes and not buy into this propaganda and honestly the nicest people i met on the trip were the muslim people the jewish people were great too but like there was this one guy who had this tiny little falafel shop and he was the best falafel you'll ever have he like told me he won an award on some american tv show as like best falafel sandwich i he couldn't remember what show it was on because i wanted to look it up but i believe him because it was that good I went there like three times, three days in a row. And he was like, why do you keep coming back? I was like, because there's nothing better than this. I try this stuff everywhere I go. And every time I went, he would give me something for free. He would give me free drinks, free coffee. And then he would like sit down and talk with me. And I was like, you're taking time out of your day to talk with me. I was like, that's really cool. And then I was like, are you just doing that because I'm a tourist? And he was like, I try and do this as much as I can for any of my customers. And then I met another American there who's lived there for five years. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I've actually gotten to know him. And this guy was like a missionary. And so he's like, and he's like, you know, he's like, I can come here and talk with my friend. He's like, and we're one's Christian and one's Muslim. And he's like, we can be friends and talk. And that was exactly why I wanted to go to Israel because I was like, I wanted to go meet people and make friends and understand and remind myself that I can be friends with anybody. We can have differences in beliefs, or we can have differences of opinion, and not fight about it, and not argue about it. And it was wonderful to be able to do that because there was people everywhere. Did I get stopped by the Muslim police while I was trying to sneak into the Temple Mount? Yeah, and I almost got away with it. A friend of mine got away with it, but I didn't. They were like, hey, wait, you're not Muslim, get out of here. I just was like, because someone had told me, if you walk up this one route, and they're typically distracted and they might not see you and they can go walk around. They caught me, but it wasn't a big deal. They were just like, Hey, turn around. But they were all really cool. Like they're kind of pushy when you want to, they want to sell something to you, but that's like kind of like most places you travel. But I learned a lot and I learned a lot that helped me grow. And I came back so much. I felt, I felt so much just refreshment, just go and be able to learn and experience and meet other people and feel like, hey, you know what? The world is bigger than America. The world is bigger than Texas. The world is bigger than Houston. I can yeah, go. Yeah, and don't and- always believe everything that you hear. Exactly. Because I've, it, like, I tell people I'm going to Israel and everyone freaks out because, wow, you know, the media and, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to die. Or what about this? Or what about that? I heard Israel's dangerous. And it's like, it, it, was, it wasn't even dangerous. true. It's like you've been to Southside Chicago in a little way. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been to Southside Chicago, and it was <laughs> kind of scary. So another thing that I've learned about travel, and I'm sure you have learned this too, is that when you travel abroad, you really gain a really different perspective on life, and you really begin to appreciate what you have at home. Oh yeah, that's my return from Africa. 
has never not impacted me ever since. Yeah. And it's always a positive impact. Yes, because what happened was I realized real poverty. Yeah. Okay. I was homeless after that time. Yeah. And I still felt rich. I'm not joking. I was freezing my ass off in a car in the middle of winter in Michigan and being thankful because at least I had a car to be in. Like, not that you could run it and it was still really cold, but like, I was like, there are people out here right now in this weather just probably freezing to death. I don't know what they're doing out here. You know what I mean? So it was like, I mean, and I still could like walk into a Walmart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying like, and then, you know, you're still really not poor if you're rolling around in a car. And you get no, you have a car. And, like, <laughs> I might not have had a spot right then, but it was at least like you have like a safe capsule. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Not like, yeah. So you, you feel a little bit of comfort. I know that might sound crazy to some people because like, what? It's just a car. But man, you've been when you've been places where it was like, you know, in Africa, everybody works. Oh yeah. The only person that doesn't work is if I mean you got to have like missing three limbs something and people will help you yeah but man if you have any amount of something to 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 do or give like yeah you're going to be expected to do that you know and here we're lazy as shit oh yeah people you know it's just remarkable what people expect here for nothing yeah and and they're anything they have they work for guaranteed they work hard a lot of them, most of them, I would say, at least where we were there, they work harder than we do, and they never get to achieve a quarter of the stuff that we do. No. No, they barely make it. Like, yeah. that's why, for real, when they see that you're overweight, they just assume you're rich. Yeah. I mean, that and, is a legitimate scope on those societies. Like, yeah. wow. You know, so to them, you know, Americans, to be honest, we're often the reason people don't like us, I think, a lot of times, because we're just perceived as like spoiled, overfed babies. Because you the know? majority of Americans tend to come across that way because they are that way. Yeah. Because if you haven't gone anywhere, you don't understand what, what, what you actually have, what you've been given just by being born in this country. And about the, what I mean too about a country too is like, it's not just about the individual. We have our poor too, right? Yeah. But like our road systems, our availability to goods. Yeah. You know, in other countries, if it's past seven o'clock at night, you're not getting nothing. No. You're not getting gas. You're not getting water. No. Nope. You're not, you know what I mean? Depending on where you're at. I mean, there are places that just absolutely shut down. I mean, this. Yeah. I remember being over there looking for water. Yeah. Driving around for hours, yep. just looking for bottled water. Yeah, because you know we couldn't drink the water, and it was just like, man, you know, at home I could have went anywhere—the gas station, Walmart, Myers, Kroger. Like I could have knocked on a neighbor's house; they would have gave me a twelve-pack. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. So to go places where it takes so much effort to even like have normalcy. I remember we had there was one store there that had like aisles i guess and yeah. a couple freezers like where they kept things cold i mean that's luxury yeah that you would get anything that's like cold, cold. or ice cream or something that's yeah. that's like a delicacy a lot of places we we just have everything so yeah so as far as travel affecting you it really affected me i have never i've never felt like i've really needed for anything because in the states it's not about no one complains about not eating. We complain about, you know, not having 
a nice enough car, a big enough right. house. Right. You know, we can't afford a hot enough wife. You know, yeah. stuff happens. You know, it's like, well, that's the way it goes. You know, but other places, you work and you work and you work, and in the end, you still have nothing. Yeah. And here, it's like, if you don't, young people especially, it's like, they're 25, 26, and you're like, I don't even have a lecture yet. This is bullshit. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I saw five people on a moped a couple years ago. <laughs> right? Carrying <Yeah>. groceries. <laughs> you know I'm not making that shit up. Either. No, I, I see know you're not. People do some stacking on vehicles that's, I, they should just make videos of this stuff. Yeah. I think at one point I saw a moped with seven, maybe eight people on one moped. Yeah. My goodness, man. Yep. You want to talk about fuel efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, travel does a lot of things for you, though. It, it does help in your world perspective. Yeah. It, it definitely helps in your understanding of, you know, where you are financially. It does. Um, help, it also... Help gives you a chance to talk and meet people from other places which there's nothing that's the part of travel i enjoy more than any destination i i probably wouldn't even pick a place by a destination i would pick a place by population yeah like i would love to go to japan oh right? yeah but i mean deep in man i want to go where it's just a sea of people yeah you know and go to a bunch of interesting places and just watch people and talk to people yeah, you that's, know, that's what I you, that's what I like. When you travel, you learn and realize that experiences and people and like building friendships and relationships with people is way more valuable than material stuff. That's yeah, that's the and they thing all take I, care of each other in those friendships, right? Yeah, because you get friendship prizes. Yeah, you know, in other countries, the, I love the barter system, man. <laughs> I because I, I'm a I'm a deal for I don't like paying retail for shit. Yeah. So when I got over there and I was like, wait a minute, I can haggle on the price. Yeah. That was like crack to me. You know, and so I would I would haggle. I got to the point where I could get stuff for like probably close to what they paid for it. Like yeah, there other people because I just wouldn't budge, and I turn and walk away, and I usually get about twelve. I count my steps. Nine, ten, eleven. Okay, okay, friend. Okay, you know, then you, you go back and you get the thirty-five dollars shirt for three dollars. Finally, yeah. you know, yeah, and that's what it's worth, you know. And yeah. he knows it. Yeah, you know. I mean, sometimes I would buy people's things too, just because I liked them. Yeah, I remember when I was first over in Africa. Now, you guys, we mentioned this diet Pepsi addiction. This shit runs so deep. You don't even. It's like, God forbid, it'd be an issue. I was like, sorry, it's not Pepsi. It's the Red Sea. I can't do this but what i mean is that i was like committed to this i was like okay there's not a lot of refrigeration here so yeah. if i want a cold pop i'm gonna have to pay top dollar which is like 10 cents yeah <laughs> american for like ice cold bottled diet pepsi which we can't even get here right yeah so it was just like oh! so we outside we have all these vendors near where we were staying and they all sold a little drinks here and there and then you know and I noticed this one guy had Diet Pepsi in his, in his little freezer. Now, this little freezer could probably only hold, like, maybe, like, a case of cans, you know, like yeah. 30, maybe 24, 30, you know. By the second day, man, he had that everything else out of that freezer except Diet Pepsi. Because <laughs> he knew every time I passed there, I was going to buy Pepsi for me and not one. I never buy just one. No. And everyone with me, like, I'm some kind of rich, oil-chic American. <laughs> 
Don't worry, everyone. Diet Pepsi's on me. <laughs> yeah. So, a whole group of people cost me like $1.30. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but I felt cool. Yeah. But, but what was interesting was I had hang with these three different vendors. I said, whichever one of you guys gives me the best price, I will only buy from you the whole time I'm here. And I knew I was going to be there for a while. Yeah. And I was like, I'll only buy from you. And believe me, it's going to be worth it. <laughs> And I think the one guy realized, like, I wasn't playing. And he did. And he, he sold it to me for, like, I don't know, like a penny or two less than the other, the guy, other two yeah. guys. And so, yeah. So, and dude, it just the smile on his face when he'd see me coming down that trail. He'd, like, yeah, he'd open it up, take it out. I'd hear that. And I'd just get all excited and shit. Running down there. I was happy. He was happy. It was cheap. It was great. You know? It was. Yeah. But and then we kind of like became friends, and I was like, every day I'd see this guy go to, you know, you're my yeah. favorite customer. I'm like, I bet I am. <laughs> I did the same thing in Ethiopia. There was a guy just outside of where I stayed, and he had a fridge and cold drinks. And I told him, I was like, I'm only going to buy it from you. And finally, I got to the point where we got a small fridge where we were staying, and I told, I started, I worked out a deal with him where I could buy it by the case. So I was, I got a case price because I was there for six months. So he's wow. like, how long are you going to be here? And I, I started working it out with him. Yeah, because you have to go to them because they're the only ones that can get the stuff. Because it's, yeah. I mean, you got it's like you got to know somebody to even get basic stuff. Yeah, I, and, that's, and, he, and I, that's a luxury. So I got all of my toilet. Yeah, I got all of my toilet paper and wad bottled water and sodas from him. I got all that stuff from him. I said, I'll buy all these things from you, and I'm not going to go anywhere else. And I never went anywhere else because I was that, like. And that says it all right there. You you yeah. literally are like water, toilet paper, you know, pop, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's that's in a nutshell what I'm preparing for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I'm just building up a, a toilet paper supply that I can use as cash. Yeah. Oh man, think about it, man. When the shit goes down. Yeah. Right? You can have a Lexus if you want. I got toilet paper to wipe your ass. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna crack sooner or later. Just no Americans using their fingers. They're not. No. So I'm. I, I literally am going to use toilet paper as cash like in a, bar, <laughs> in a barter system. That's a really powerful like currency right there. It the other be. one that people that people actually do like preppers. Yeah. They they use liquor. Yeah. Because immediately all liquor sales will be done. Yeah. And people have a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> the they, problems are just going to get worse. Well, and they dwell them in the in those bottles, and they're <laughs> yeah. going to need them. And yeah. there's not much they're not going to do. No. But, I mean, it's sad to think that, you know, you take advantage of people with their drinking problems. But yeah. uh, someone's got to come out on top in the end. And uh, <laughs> I don't drink anymore, so I consider that kind of a win for me. Yeah. The but, yeah, other... that's why it's interesting when you said that about those three items. It's like, wow, that really it really does get that basic. It does. You're like, mm, clean clothes, mm, optional, shower yeah. mm, when I can. I showered you know, once a week always, in Ethiopia. Yeah, well, they're torture. Yeah. It's ice cold. Yeah. I don't care. where You can be in a hotel. It still sucks. It's one, like no one water day, pressure. One day, we didn't have water for a week. You know, it was like 10 days. And our water would come off intermittently, so I typically showered once a week. And then it was like the 10th day this one time, and it started raining, and it was a good tropical depression. I, if I was finally um, showering in the runoff of the roof because I was like so tired of being gross. I had to wait for a rainstorm. And like, 
that was actually an eye-opening experience because I'm just like outside in my swim shorts, like showering, and everybody around is staring at me. And I'm like, yep, I'm really pale and really hairy. <laughs> right. It was like a circus. It was. Oh, all the kids were just like, whoa, can we touch? <laughs> For real, though, Mark with his haircut and his hair, uh, without his shirt on, he looks like an orangutan. <laughs> just especially if you got some sun on you man yeah straight eight <laughs> <laughs> it's true i'm just gonna own it it's true <laughs> the last thing i wanted to say about travel well, okay the last not funny thing i wanted to say about travel <laughs> was that you realize when you travel especially abroad that Everyone in the world, almost everybody wants the same things. They want to have their family safe and protected. They want to find love. They want shelter and they want to be able to work and support themselves and be safe. That's it. That's all everybody wants. Everywhere I've been, I've been to all of the continents except for Antarctica, Australia, and South America. And everybody everywhere just wants those same same simple things. And it's really basic. And that's not all that much to ask for, really. And what's crazy is in the States, we get that, and yet we're not happy. Yeah. You couldn't be in a really, I mean, we get all that stuff, and yet we seem to be the most unhappy, like not most unhappy, but like, let's just be honest, most Americans have no idea how good they really have it. I mean, they really don't. No. And traveling is one of those things that really does bring that into perspective. Yeah. You know, because even the most basic things like toilet paper become like this weird optional thing that you would never think that. You know what I mean? Like until yeah. you, especially if no one told you, right? And you just went somewhere and you thought like everything was going to be like here. You know, I remember being in Africa and the it's not just that. It's like the driving, dude. Yeah. I couldn't drive over there. I saw a guy. There's just no order to it. This, I saw Mercedes Benz get his bumper ripped off in traffic. He didn't even slow down. He was just like, no, it's a bumper. You know, just and yeah. everyone just drove around it. Would no, no one even batted an eyelash. Yeah, and it was. It wasn't even like it was a beat up one or anything. Like it was. It was a white. Nice, you know, car. And then yeah. two seconds, I see this truck cut in and it just catches the edge of it, p- pops it right off. He didn't even go pick it up. <laughs> oh, forget it. He just kept going. And I was just like, wow, in the States, there would have been a really upset person oh, getting yeah. out of that car, stomping, trying to make, you know, some kind of sense of his life. Yeah. Because, you know, because I'm. People hanging on to their material stuff here, like for real. Yeah, you know they'll kill you for a, for a, not too much a valuable thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And that's why me, I'm like, take you know, you could have everything I have. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Yeah. I my house is like 500 square feet, and I have barely anything in it. I don't even have a couch. I have two chairs. Like, I have the essentials because i i've realized how lucky I am, and I appreciate the things that I do have, and I just want. I do. I just want to live within my means and have like stuff I can appreciate. Also, I do that so I can travel a lot. I have a flexible job, so I can do a lot of traveling. So, I you tend to I, I tend to use most of my money to build memories and experiences with other people. Okay, that is crazy because that is what I have always said. Yeah, that I do. I will everything that I have. 
is paid for. Yeah. Okay. Now a lot of things I get resale shops. I I barter things. I sell something to get something else. I, you know, but I mean, right down to my phones, my cars, everything that I have is paid for because I don't know what the future holds. And so many times in my life, even when I thought I had things on lock, like we've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast, you don't know when life's going to take a turn. The average American is one month from homeless. Yeah. They got about that much in the bank. If shit goes down and they lose their job, they got about one month. If they don't find a job in that month. Yeah. They're going to start really finding out what it's like to struggle, right? So I just decided I I don't want to worry about someone's coming in and taking my stuff. Yeah. I don't want to worry about if someone's going to repo my car because I can't really afford it. So I just don't do that anymore. And I haven't even used a line of credit in like 20 years at all uh, because my credit sucked also from back <laughs> early in the days. And... Um, I learned that lesson really early on. Like when I first got like the the first credit cards way back in the day. Yeah. Man, I fucked that shit up. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's a limit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it's not really paid for? <laughs> but um but I learned from that and then I realized I don't even need that shit. Yeah. Right? So what I do is like I said, well, a lot of it now is, I mean, not travel as so much, but I try to make my house fun, right? So yeah. I try to make this environment where everybody has fun. And, you know, you make, it's all about memories for me. It really is. I mean, like, even the times that I would come out and visit you guys out in Cali, you know, yeah. like, I could barely afford to get out there, <laughs> you know, like, whatever. But it wasn't about that. You know, like you said, it was just, I'm with my friends. You know, you mentioned sleeping on a couch bed that just was hell. Yeah. But you didn't care because you got, you know, hey, dude, I would sleep on your floor right now if I could come over. (laughs) You've slept on my floor many times. (laughs) Yeah, because when I lay on the floor, I just kind of like, you just kind of like melt into it a little bit. Use my titties as pillows. (laughs) Listen, man, a lot of guys aren't going to be that honest. I'm going to (laughs) be. Yeah. Never mind. When you're about, when you're about, you know, 300 pounds. Go ahead, pull it up. You can use it. Just put a coat over your head. No, no, no. <laughs> Dude, I got secrets that run deep. I can give you advice on some real dark shit. <laughs> and you like to cuddle too, so. <laughs> yeah, when I get cold, I just throw a kid up on my back. <laughs> on my side. Last night, it was funny too. Last night, I went to go get bed. No shit. Yeah. Three kids snuck in the bed. <laughs> right and yeah. they're all cute and everything and i was like well i could cut on one of these little bastards but so i'm like I, it was kind of like uh the bear with the porridge yeah right so like i grabbed the first kid and i was like "Ooh, that one's too skinny that one's he's gonna hurt me <laughs> if i roll over and like because they do they're so bony like if i roll like it hurts yeah so i'm like sorry kid you need to eat a sandwich <laughs> i grabbed the next kid that's my middle kid and he's so cute. He's a really good cuddler. But when I grabbed him, he had been in the middle. Yeah. I was like, oop, that one's too sticky. Because <laughs> he was all sweaty and shit. Right? So then I reached over to grab the, the youngest one, the six-year-old. But he was in too much of a coma, and I couldn't get him to, like, come back around on my side. So 
I shoved Stick Boy over and just went into the <laughs> Stick Boy. <laughs> That's James. He's my uh, my ten year old. But he's like he's gonna be like super tall, right? Yeah. Uh, he's ten and he's like my height. Oh I mean, that's goodness. not any real achievement, but <laughs> being like five foot at ten, you know. Yeah, that's you a, feel you feel pretty tall. Yeah. So so he literally looks like a skeleton. Oh yeah. Like he's he's skinnier than I was, which was believe it or not, really skinny. My son Wyatt is very thin, yeah. and and this kid is like. I think people throw snacks at him when they see him. They probably see him starving. <laughs> But it's not. He just has and his his birth father. Holy crap! Thirty. He's about your age. Yeah. Stick, dude. Still has abs. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. Some you people know? are just like that. They just can't put on weight. But you know what's weird? The skinny guys like that. They're always bald. What's up with that shit? I, I don't know. Some chemical. In, I don't know. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know why that is. But yeah. But anyway. So. That's what happened when I went to go get in bed last night. I was like, mm, too sticky, too bony. Yeah. Can't move you. Well, <laughs> then I was then I was pissed because I couldn't get my nightly massage from my wife. Yeah. You know, I tried to work her up to fanning me and feeding wait, me Wait, grapes, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. Massage or massage? Oh, no. I mean, like, straight up hardcore, straight up massage. Like, I have this disorder. <laughs> This is going to sound like such bullshit. <laughs> and it's going to sound even worse because I don't know the technical term. <laughs> but um, I was diagnosed with uh, fibromyalgia like, I don't know, a couple of, couple of years back. Uh-huh. And for those of you who don't know what it is, I thought, honest, I'm being straight with you, I thought it was a bullshit made up thing. Yeah. Right. Until I suffered. Yeah. greatly and then was finally diagnosed with it i mean this i honest if i had it in me i wouldn't wish him out wish it on him it is awful you hurt with levels of pain that just and it's every day for me i live in pain every day yeah but um and i don't even remember my point about that because then i started thinking about how bad i'm hurting because <laughs> then i laughed and pulled my core my last <laughs> podcast but anyways, so I have to deal with that shit every day. <laughs> and the kids. No, but I mean, all in all, everything's like pretty good. Yeah. You know, you just, it's one of those things, though, that uh, so then I had that, right? Well, I also suffer from the solid disorder where apparently I have small bones, right? But I'm like this heavy person, so it's like slowly breaking myself in pieces. But uh what it is is I actually have like too much muscle fiber. Uh-huh. So under these layers of fat, there's like too much muscle. What happens is now that I've gotten older and I have this fibromyalgia deal, my muscles will get so tight and they're so thick and so much of them mm -hmm. um, that they will actually dislocate my joints. Oh my goodness. And I will be sleeping and all of a sudden my arm will just get pulled out of socket. Oh. And here's what you want to talk about suckage. It's pulled out of socket by a cramp that you get in the middle of the night in your sleep. Yeah. That's so strong, it dislocates it, right? Oh. The only way to get that back in is by force. Oh. Now, the, the, the muscles are so tight, right, though, that it, it's not going to do that. Yeah. So my wife literally gets up, hands, knees, elbows, and just 
massages the shit out of me on a daily basis. I'm talking two to three hours. So when I said my wife is a good woman and loves me, yeah, that is no bullshit. Just oh, I no. wake her up. I wake her up regularly, middle of her sleep, because I'll have these cramps and I cannot get my shit together. Yeah, because what happens is when you have that kind of stuff happen, you can't get out of bed. Oh no, you're, you're just, just stuck there. It's impossible, right? And I'm big enough that you can't move me, so you better fix me. So, yeah, so she has to endure this old man disease. Works <laughs> <laughs> every day. I'm like, oh god, it's a big. Is this it? You know. And then she's got to rub it out, and then eventually she can like get her whole body weight. And I turn on my side and pop it. You know, like pop my shoulder back in. Yeah. And now it's both shoulders. Oh my. So goodness. I have to sleep on my back, which is just awful for me. I look like I'm in a coffin every night. <laughs> And I got to, like, have my hands crossed in front of me like a good little church boy. And, like, you know. And then I do all this. <laughs> every night. So, uh, yeah. So I'm really loud when I sleep. Well, I remember that. Between that and the crying. <laughs> yeah. oh, it hurts. <laughs> okay. So, two. Well, actually, one question sort of, like, in two. I'll give my answer. First, I want you to give your answer. Okay, go ahead. What is your favorite place to travel in the United States? And then, what is your favorite place that you've been abroad? And why? Okay. My favorite place to vacation in the States, honestly, would probably be wherever you're at. Because <laughs> that's where I'm going to have the most fun. I mean, oh, if I yeah. had to pick, like, of all my Because fr- that's the other thing. You have traveled a lot. So it's like we can go and do things comfortably that most people would just not even think about doing. Yeah. And that's where we're starting. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, so that's a solid start to a tr- you know adventure. Yeah. So that's, you know, I always liked hanging out with you guys. And, like, you sent me those pictures today when we shot the shit out of Ben with them airsoft guns. Yeah. That is some classic footage, man. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, so, yeah, that's probably what I'd, you know, probably wherever you had be the most fun, you know. I mean, you'd hope it'd be Vegas, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and then abroad, that's a tough one. That is tough. I'm honestly going to have to say, I know this sounds so lame, though, but uh, Canada. Really? Well, and here's why. Canadians are, they're really nice. Um, (laughs) But as a general rule, all of Canada is like a six. (laughs) So no matter how I feel inside... When I visit Canada, I come away feeling phenomenal. (laughs) You know, it's not like I went to go visit Brazil where I am the ugly, fat American and I'm just, there's no hope, right? No, man. You want to feel good about yourself? Go on up there to Vancouver. (laughs) like Robin Williams said. You're going to feel like a rock star, man. <laughs> Robin Williams said, Canada is like a loft over a really great party. <laughs> yeah, that guy kind of nailed that, didn't he? <laughs> he totally nailed that. He was a genius. <laughs> and my, I have a few, you know, I have a few friends from like Sarnia and like, you know, across the border because I'm actually yeah. really live very close to the Canadian border. Yeah. 
you know, which is now probably not a good idea that I go over. But um, it's not like it used to be anyway. You have to have like advanced IDs and all this stuff now. But um, but it's close, you know. Yeah. And it almost seems they almost seem American. The ones that live right on the border, you know, you got mm-hmm. Windsor, and then up by us there's Sarnia and Sanilac and some other places, and everybody speaks English. It's just that it's a little annoying because once you cross the border, they try to sound extra Canadian. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, we get it, but you don't gotta force it on us like Canadian bacon. <laughs> like it's like, like it's just so deep in you. You just go a. <laughs> I think okay. Here's the real truth. It's not against them. I had a really annoying uh, roommate in high school. I went to a boarding school, high school, mm-hmm. and he claimed he was Canadian, and he was, but he was from Windsor. <laughs> Windsor's like, I could step across a few dead bodies from Detroit River and get to Windsor. <laughs> okay, it's like eight feet or something. I don't. You're not any different. <laughs> and he would try and talk extra. I don't know what he thought the Canadian like accent was supposed to sound like. Yeah. But it always made it sound like he was just gargling snot or a dick or something, and then throwing the word <laughs> a on, <laughs> and throwing the word a on the end of everything. But he did it in a weird drawn out way, and I would just every time I, I get I'm angry right now, like I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> And, you know, I hope that he hears this <laughs> and realize, all right, so let me we, shoot now I just realized all the bad reviews we get are going to be from people that you just called out on this episode. <laughs> all right, look, here it is. You were annoying then. And last I heard, you're still a virgin. Then I said it. <laughs> Just gonna leave it. We'll just leave it at that. A. Eh? <laughs> Sorry. Oh my goodness. Sometimes, man, it's just like you break something up that just brings you to somebody that. Just, <laughs> there's not a lot of people that actually piss me off. Yeah. But the ones that do, man, <laughs> just like I don't. I'm a nice person oh. to a point, but once you listen, you flip. Once the switch is flipped, oh. and I've decided that yeah. uh, I really don't care if I make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> that just man, I sound terrible. I should yeah. probably not. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> First of all, I have a puke thing here. Just I know. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> and I almost had to use it. Oh, because I see right there, like that tensed up. Yeah. Now you might have to edit out a cramp. If I, dude, these cramps are no bullshit. Like there's no hiding it. You'll see me just writhe like and turn into some like weird shape, and then I'm like, yeah. and you'll be like, dude, he's overdoing it. No, I'm not, dude. It's that bad. I, I, I just the other day I was like, am I? I'm like, do I gotta start taking like a multivitamin? Like, is something just missing completely? Because the other day I pulled a hellacious cramp in a restaurant <laughs> eating chili cheese fries. That's I'm not even making that shit up. <laughs> you had I was, chili cheese fries. And you fries? know I was into it, man. You know me in chili cheese fries. So I was just oh, yeah. nom nom nom, you know. And as I was holding the fork up, my hand started shaking and I pulled a full on cramp and my arm like palsied up to my chest. 
Oh my goodness. And I was like, what? The, the thing that was fucked up about it was right there when my arm was pulled tight, I couldn't I couldn't get to the chili cheese. <laughs> <laughs> but I was looking at the chili cheese driver. <laughs> And I was pissed because I could see this little piece of hamburger and cheese. It was slowly sliding to the end of the fry. And I'm like, dude, that's going to end up on the table. And I'm like, I want to eat that shit. So the whole time I'm having this cramp, I'm like, don't fall off, don't fall off, don't fall off. <laughs> At the very end, I just forced it and kind of like loft it up into my mouth. I didn't wanna, God forbid I lose that little piece of hamburger. That is sad. <laughs> did I really just admit that? Yeah, you did. But that's that's... That's that's my that's my reality. Oh, that's hilarious. So my favorite place to travel in America, I have not found a place. Okay, this is a lot of people. If you haven't been there, a lot of people won't understand this. My favorite place to travel in America, and I've been thinking about this for the last like week. I want to go with you to New Orleans, Louisiana. Ooh, like, dude, the food. That's exactly <laughs> spoken like a true fat ass. <laughs> like my thought process when I first thought of that, because I'm going there in September with two of my foodie buddies. I was like, we need to bring the fat guy because <laughs> it is unreal. Like it's hot. It's muggy. It doesn't smell particularly nice. The people there are fantastic. Yeah, but in the South, people are so nice, though. They are. It's it's so much fun. But. Last time, I've been there two times already. <clears throat> it's only like five hours away. Five hour drive, not that far. First time I go there. I yeah, I'd be, I'd be flying that. They, I don't do them <laughs> drives no more, man. <laughs> First time I get there, I, I rent an Airbnb. I know nothing about New Orleans. I've never been there before. I have some friends in California. A guy there, he's from New Orleans or from Louisiana, so they go all the time. He always told me I needed to go there. To me, it sounded just like this nasty swamp town that I never want to go to, but I've heard, heard a lot of stuff about Finally, I go. I go there, and I just pick an Airbnb based on like price and like if it looked like a nice comfortable place to stay so like i go there get to the airbnb it's tiny but it's really nice really trendy and it was really really comfortable have like a great long week there and then leave come back like a year later with two of my friends they stay on like the other side of the city basically they stayed we stayed in the side of the city that got like wiped out by the hurricane in 2004 mm -hmm. so and they found a really really nice place and it was like cheap as dirt. It was like 80 bucks a night. And it was like three bedrooms, two bathrooms. Yeah, three bedroom, two bathroom shotgun house. It was super nice. <clears throat> I don't know how he found that deal because I, I couldn't find a deal like that when I went before. But it was nice. Put me on the case, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we get there. I got the, people. We, we get there. And they were like, hey, let's go get some beignets. Let's go get some dinner. We drive around. At the end of the night, we had like walked into the downtown. It was like two miles away. Yeah, I walk a lot. So you're in trouble if you travel with me because we're going to be doing some walking. It's all so, right. I got an amigo. <laughs> so we get. I take it to the mall. <laughs> you think I'm shit? No, I don't. I'm not handicapped. I'm just that lazy, man. <laughs> so we get. It's like two in the morning. We've had our second round of beignets. And I'm like, look, I'm just going to get us an Uber because I don't want to walk back. 
And so we all hop in the Uber and it's drive the taxi driver or the Uber driver is like super friendly, super, super chatty. He's got great music on. And I love like the jazz and the blues music there, especially the be- the blues, like the blues stuff you hear. It's just phenomenal. Like I'm a guitarist, so I love blues, really good blues. We're talking about music. And then he's like, hey, have you ever been here before? And all three of us had been there before, but we hadn't been at the same time. So they were like, uh, my friend Frank behind me, he goes, hey, um, he tells, you know, he's like, you know, this is where we're staying. We tell him where to go. And the guy's okay. And he goes, is Frank goes, is this a, um, is this like a safe neighborhood that we're staying in? Literally something I never think to ask because that's the furthest thing from my mind unless I see AK 47s. <laughs> so. Right. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, it's okay. He goes, it's not bad. He goes, it's it's decent. And I was like, oh, okay, look, not bad. And so Frank felt like a little more comfortable. And I said, yeah, last time I stayed, I stayed in a really nice neighborhood. And he goes, oh, where? And he named some place that I've never heard of because it's all that like Creole or French names right. that I can't pronounce. And I said, no. And he said, well, what streets was it near? And so I, it was near the cross street of this and this. And he goes, how did you not die? <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, it was nice. He goes, if you want to get murdered in New Orleans, that's where you stay. (laughs) And I was like, I didn't even know. I felt fine. I felt perfectly safe. He goes, man, you dumb. (laughs) See, man, I told you, man, you're, uh, you need to up that street cred. You're getting too comfortable. (laughs) So then like, it's just the best because like every little mom and pop place there has like the best food. Like, oh yeah. I, 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 the, the next morning I woke up, I couldn't This is sleep. making me really hungry, man. Uh, I'm starving, trust me, because I know what I'm describing to you. The next morning I wake up, and, like, the other guys were sleeping, and it was, like, 7.30, I couldn't sleep. So I wake up, and I just, like, get on Yelp. I'm like, I wonder if I can find a good breakfast place. I'm going to go buy breakfast for my friends and, like, treat them to something. So, like, literally right across the street is a bakery, like a mom-and-pop independent bakery. So I, And it has good reviews. I'll try anything once. So I go over there. And I walk in and it's this big black mama and her daughter. And I was like, what do you got? What's your best thing? And she goes, the best thing I got, honey, is this bacon butter biscuit. And I go, okay, can you make like a sandwich out of it? And she goes, what do you want on it? I was like, give me some egg and cheese and some bacon. She's like, okay. So she makes it. And I say, oh, wow, there you have quiche, too. Give me, like, three of those. Give me three of these sandwiches and, like, a couple of Danishes. Everything she makes from scratch. Whoa. So, so I, like, get this all. And I said, I might be back later because I'm literally, like, 40 yards away. I'm literally directly across the street. So I go in. And by this time, the other guys are waking up. Frank walks in, and he's like, oh, you got us breakfast? And I was like, yeah, like, you know, it's like, you didn't have to do that because Frank is legitimately the most generous person on the face of the earth. I have never met anybody more generous in giving than this guy. It always makes me feel so crappy, but I I appreciate him so much because I'm always like, how could you be so generous? But he's just one of those super giving people. That's why he's such a great friend. So we get, we all start chowing down because we all love to eat. We all like destroy this breakfast because legitimately that was the best biscuit I have ever had in my life. Like I was like, this biscuit has to be like 40% butter. It was so good. Everything on it was phenomenal. So we all get done. We demolish everything. 
so then like Jim's like, well, what are we going to do? And Frank goes, well, I know what we're doing. He goes, and neither of you are saying no. And I was like, what's that? He's like, we're going back over to that bakery. So we walked right back across the street. All of us got the exact same thing again and ate it again. You're kidding. I'm not even kidding. And it's not like we were hungry, <laughs> but it was that good. Like, Oh, that- no, that's when you, in a situation like that, yeah. like I, I prepare for those fights. Yeah. I do like training, you know, I, I practice binge eating. Yeah. You know, like I might that's... S- stop by Vegas and go to the Bellagio just to warm up <laughs> and then work my way down to, Lu- down to Louisiana. Speaking of binge eating, quick side note here. Last time I saw those guys was like uh, just over a year ago and I went to, they both live in New Jersey. I went with them to visit them in New Jersey and then to Manhattan and then also to Philadelphia because they're always raving how good food in both of those places are. So Frank takes me down to Philadelphia. He's like, have you ever had a real Philly cheesesteak sandwich? I was like, not in Philadelphia, so let's go. We go to this place. I get a giant Philly cheesesteak sandwich. It's the best Philly cheesesteak sandwich on earth. So good. Killing me, right? So good. So I eat it, and then he's like, hey, let's walk around Philadelphia. So we're walking around, and we go down this street that is like all bars, nightclubs, and restaurants. And it's like 9 or 10 o'clock at night when we're doing this. And then he goes, hey, have you heard of the Philly taco? And I was like, what's that? He goes, well, it's basically like you know late-night food. He's like, you go to this pizza place, and they have these giant oversized slices of pizza. They're probably like 12 inches by like 10 inches or maybe even a little bigger. They're huge. He's like, and they're like, they're like three bucks. They're really cheap for a slice. So I was like, well, he goes, it's not the greatest pizza. He has a whole pizza rating scale because his dad had a pizzeria. So like Frank knows his stuff when it comes to pizza. And like this dude is the pizza guru. So, uh, by the way, yeah, that's my people. (laughs) (laughs) You have found them. I have. I really want you to meet them because they're (laughs) We would all, I know they would get along with you great. So he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, what's the Philly taco? Like, do they put something in the pizza? And he goes, no. He goes, you go to the pizza place, you buy the pizza, the slice of pizza, you take it across the street, and then you um, order a cheesesteak, a giant cheesesteak sandwich, and then they wrap it up in that giant slice of pizza. (laughs) So I was like, I'm doing it. And he's like, dude, you don't have to impress me. You just had another giant sandwich. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. He's like, I don't think you could do it. I was like, I know I could do it. So we go in there. I walk in with the pizza slice. And the lady goes, ah, you want the Philly taco? I was like, heck yeah. So they make it for me. I take it upstairs because it was cold outside. It was January. And I start eating this. And it, I get halfway through it. And he's like, okay, you've impressed me. He's like, you don't have to eat anymore. He's like, I, you, you're eating so much bread and food right now. This is ridiculous. And I was like, and I wasn't feeling it. So I was like, I, I'm going to finish it. So I like went ahead and finished the whole thing. And they're like, we don't know whether to be like proud of you or appalled. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> I was at a Mexican restaurant. It was somewhere down south. Yeah. And they had like one of those, like it's like a giant burrito. Yeah. But the only reason I tried it was because it had a picture of a guy on it looking like a burrito. Yeah. And it said if you could get, if you could eat this whole burrito in one sitting, right, in a certain amount of time, they would give you this free t-shirt that said I ate the big one. <laughs> 
I ate the big one, and it was this taco, you know, this big burrito on the back of the shirt. Yeah. So uh, I did what every good American did and gave it to my wife. Because <laughs> I only had to do that once, and she has to do it on, like, a daily basis. So it's... Horrible friend. <laughs> Bringing it right back down to the basement. <laughs> it was all touching and true happy stories. And just had to bring his dick into it somewhere. I Listen, <laughs> there's nothing that gets me more happy than food and sex. That's, yeah. Well, let's be real. We're men. Those are the basic things that we enjoy. It's not. Why do, why do women try to even act like we're difficult? <laughs> we're not difficult. Seriously, <laughs> feed us, fuck us. Done story. <laughs> no, we're not going to complain. No, that's definitely not. It's that lack of either. So when, when I look at my, because my wife doesn't cook. Did you know this shit? What? My wife doesn't cook. No, I didn't know that. No, dude. I do all the cooking. Oh wow! Which which actually is fine because I just really enjoy cooking. I, I used to watch you cook, and I'm like, he just loves it. <laughs> so now I I get it. Yeah. Also, because you know I get first dibs. <laughs> oh no no! I used to do that thing where I was like, you know, here you go, family. You guys do this, and I'll just get the script. Now no, no. now I eat first, bitches. <laughs> I cook. I sit down. I eat like a king. Then I call the kids in. <laughs> So you guys can split up what's left over. <laughs> then I wonder why there's a skinny little kid I can't even sleep with because it's too bony. <laughs> the other little one's just cooking from the sugar intake, just sweating his ass off. <laughs> and the other one's too angry at me for starving him, so that's why they're playing on. See, I'm learning shit on this one on podcast. Figuring some shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now oh. my abs hurt. <laughs> my abs hurt, and now I really want to f- like fly to Philadelphia <laughs> and get a Philly cheesesteak, because that sounds phenomenal. Dude, it was th- one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. I mean, the only thing we got out best. here for sandwiches is like uh, is that place that you took us to out here. Penn Station. Penn Station. Yeah. Penn, Penn Station's Station. good. Penn Station's but, uh, good, but this was better. It can't, yeah, it can't. I mean, come on. I love Penn Station, but that other place is better. But... We now have come to the point of my favorite place I've been internationally outside of the United States. Drum roll, please. <laughs> this should be super obvious to you. Maybe not to everybody else, but dude, it's Mexico. I, I do. I <laughs> All day. The Mexican food is off the chain. And I mean, let's face it. The women there are beautiful. It is the booty capital of the world. I <laughs> That's why I can't. I can't vacation there. There's just no way. <laughs> My friend Jim, the f- one of the foodie guys I was talking about, I met. He actually just got back from Mexico. Like he's ten. He's like sending me texts and stuff out there. He's like, it's ridiculous down here. He's like, I ate so much. Like he's he's like, I ate literal bowls of guacamole. <laughs> and I was like, no, dude, I-, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Right? When you're 20, you're like, dude, you should see the girls down here at the beach. You break 30, 33, you're like, 
Dude, the guac over here is killing it. <laughs> yeah. It's worth the whole damn plane ticket. You got to get down here. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Like, why are you talking to a girl when we could go to this buffet? Like, <laughs> I'm be like, thanks, man. Thanks for helping me reel it in. That's why we came here, isn't it? Look, because let's, look, let's be real. You can get ass at home, but you cannot get that food at home. No. You know, no. Even, and even if you brought someone from Mexico to the States to cook for you, yeah, and you know, so that would be maybe that's when I make it one day. Like really, I'll, make I'll have a cook. That'd be great because my wife can only make like grilled cheese. Yeah, she makes it really good. But honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you. Some people shit on her about it, mm-hmm. but I don't because I really need her for those massages. <laughs> so, I want her rested up. Don't ask a whole lot of her during the day. Because seriously, the work on me—it's awful. I wouldn't want to put that on anyone else except my wife, and that's because I, you know, pay for everything she owns. So uh, I feel like she owes me a little bit. Not kidding, but I mean, like she's—it just—it's important. So I don't. A lot of things that people see as important in in a woman, even like when I finally picked my my mate, my final mate, the girl yeah. that I love, like. She's not a lot of the things that people like outwardly be like, oh, I see why you chose her. Yeah. You know, like it was like I had to like make a case with everybody I knew. Yeah. (laughs) Said, okay, here, let me break it down to you. I got a demographic over here. I got some charts. Uh, The bottom line is she sucks my dick and she massages me. And uh, that's about where it ends. So, uh, but I'm a primal simple bastard. So it works for me. Yeah. We need to get you to actually. I, I just had this like, I have this chance. I have this platform. Everyone out there, if you've never been to Houston, come visit Houston. Juan, we need to get you. I mean, I know I can't afford to bring you and your kids. If there was some time, we could get you to come oh, down no. to Houston. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them kids. <laughs> All right. Listen, when they get old, and they get a job. They can get their own travel on their own time. Listen, you you know how it is too when you travel too. It's like. If you've never traveled a lot, people, and you're planning a trip, I think one of, a really good piece of advice to give you is this. Your return home, right? Yeah. Do not plan your trip where the day after you get back, you go to work. Oh, no. Do that's, not no. do that. You need a couple of days yeah. to de-escalate and unpack all that needless shit yep. that you brought with you when you went. Now, when you get experience like us, you probably bring like, you bring like a shoebox. When but, I came back from like Israel, I brought kit, back that's two it. things. That was yeah, it. exactly. I've left. When I went to Africa, I didn't even bring my clothes back. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I wore back what I had on, left everything else there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then just brought a few trinkets that people dug up out of mines yeah. for pennies. But I mean... That <laughs> sounds terrible. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, uh, you get a little thinner on the packing. But yeah. when you do a trip, it's important to give yourself also time to rest from your vacation because vacations, although enjoyable, they have different stresses than your normal every day. Yeah. And sometimes those stressors can make it where people don't want to travel. Yeah. So the way to remedy that a lot is to give yourself time to, again, acclimatize back into your own regular reality. Yeah. And then, you know, you're rested to go to work. But my days are like flying in at 4 a.m. and then being at work <laughs> at 8. You know, you're still. I've, I've done that before way too many times. Yeah, I've learned from that. Like, give myself 24 hours at least. 
at least 24 hours. And the older you get, the more time you should give yourself to recover. Yeah. You know, my fear was that I was going to, like a lot of people think like, well, I'll travel later in life when I can really afford it and all that. But the problem is a lot of people end up getting to that and then they stay busy. Next thing you know, they're 80 years old. They've got the money to travel and now they can't physically go where they want to go. Yeah. And then they miss, they literally miss the boat. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, uh, that's actually something really important. Like it's really important if you, if travel is something that you're interested, obviously some people just, I know wouldn't enjoy it or that's just not part of their personality or makeup as a person. If it's part of your person, don't tell yourself, I really urge you not to tell yourself to wait till your golden years or wait till you're retired to do the traveling because you can do it. You may not get to do it in the way you want to do it, but by the time, not everybody's my dad. Not everybody is in their 60s and traveling the world because some people can't do it or by the time they get there, they just don't feel like it because maybe they had a job that beat them up physically or like stuff happens in life. If you have the chance to travel somewhere, anywhere, if you can make it happen, go. Don't be afraid to go on a budget. Don't be afraid to go cheap. I I went to Israel. Just think of all the money he saves on coffee. Yeah, I went to Israel <laughs> I got my flight there for $680 round trip. I spent in Israel $950. That was all I had. It was less than $2,000 for a two and a half week trip to Israel. Man, you, you shop like me. Yeah. I got and tickets I, to Detroit one time. Took my whole, took my whole family, took my mom. Round trip tickets, Detroit to Vegas. No, no layovers, nothing. 78 bucks including all taxes and fees. <laughs> so when I got, cause I get on travel sites and do all this you know, stuff and try to get like the first alerts. And yeah. sometimes it's like limited days or whatever, but I was like, what 70? I mean, as fast as I could buy tickets, I bought like tickets for everybody, you yeah. know? So it can happen. I've gotten rooms that were seven, $800 a night for 99 bucks. Yeah. I'm talking like huge corner King suites, downtown, big cities. Yeah, you just you you know you gotta, but you also have to be able to have the availability to be like, okay, that's on a Wednesday. Yeah, you know, I mean, so I mean, if the will is there, like anything else, you can make it happen if you want to. Yeah, you, you know, but I would advise that if you are going to travel, that you don't travel alone. You should always try and travel with somebody, unless yeah. you're an experienced traveler. Right. You know, if it was but, you or Joel or something like that, you guys are fine. But even myself, I'm not going to another country unless I go with somebody. I because I Lord knows to, my mouth's going to get me in trouble or something. <laughs> I'll go to certain countries alone, but there's certain places that I want to go that I won't go alone. Like I want to go to Southeast Asia, but I'm not going to go there by myself because it's Southeast Asia and there's literally no one that speaks English. And actually my brother's father-in-law is buying a house in Thailand. So that's the other thing about traveling. You make friends all over the world, make every connection that you can in life because you're going to get to know people that have connections to other places. Like I know people in Europe and in Africa, that's free places to stay. That's hundreds, if not thousands of dollars you save. If you find a free place to stay, I've been wanting to go to Thailand for years. 
Now I know somebody and he's told me, hey, once I finish buying this house, you can stay there whenever you want. We'll just have the family there, like give you a key and let you in. I'm like, sweet. That's how I got to go to the Caymans. I go to the Caymans. I have a friend who lives there. I stay with them for 10 days. Make friends, like never be afraid to make those connections because you're going to get to grow. You're going to get to spend time with those people. You're going to get out of your comfort zone, which is super important. And you're going to come back with some really great, crazy stories like we've been sharing with you. Yeah. And none of these stuff, none of the trips that we did were expensive really no you know i mean okay the, the, the tickets to africa which i did not pay for thank god the blessings of your father uh because that was those tickets are oh yeah those that's that's deep pockets typically the, that's a car for me <laughs> typically and what i get damn fish on a freaking croissant <laughs> $2,800 ticket, $2,800, and a piece of fish on a fucking croissant. Dude, I, I'll never let this croissant go. Gosh, it makes me so mad. You know, we're Americans. We don't even... You ask us before you give us some damn fish. That's all I'm saying. You know, if it was a hamburger or something or a hot dog, that's American, but don't... Fucking throw a fish on me <laughs> without telling me. If there's a food that I gotta squirt shit on it to make it taste decent, you better you, let, give me an option. You couldn't put anything. No amount of hot sauce can make that sandwich good. No, it was in the texture. I, what, where are they getting this fish? I I, was, I, I I had the croissant and didn't touch the fish. And I've had like really the last few flights I've been on that had food, the food was actually pretty decent. Go out there and have an adventure. <laughs> exactly. Have an adventure. And hey, send us pictures from it. Send us pictures from your adventures. Reach out to us. We would love to see it. And heck, we'll share some with you too. Like I actually found some pictures of Juan in Africa at oh, a no. market and they're like trying to sell him a flag. So like, I, I don't remember if it was the market where you got lost in. I don't think it is. I think it was another market. But we've got pictures from our travels. We would love to share it with you. We would love to see what you do. We would love to be in contact with you. Just no pictures if you're hanging out with Seahawk. <laughs> yeah, because... Please. Please. If you want to make some like Seahawk artwork, if you're like gifted in <laughs> artistry, I would love to see something like that. Or if you hear any other things that you think are funny... We would be thrilled to like share that with the world because I mean, let's face it. I want to. This is one of our talents here, talking with each other and just making jokes and trying to make you laugh. If you got a talent in something, you want to feed off that joke and bounce and like collab with us, please do it because that would just be fantastic. Like I would love to showcase people who have a great sense of humor and have these great whatever you do. I don't care. You know, if it's funny, I'll be glad to post it. <clears throat> so and it would really help. If you brought some food with you, <laughs> any gift certificates for food? Or <laughs> there's no better gift way. Cards. To, there's no better way than to shut me up. We've right? got a. <laughs> I'm sorry, Juan's talking too much. Oh, bring in the chili cheese fries, Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> them damn chili cheese fries in here. We need to get a Patreon account just so we can take donations for food. <laughs> I was going to say that's sad, but then I rethought about it. <laughs> damn genius, that guy. <laughs> what? I like to eat. I'm just a lot thinner than you. <laughs> you are, you little... F that kind of pisses me off a little bit. What the, how the hell are you eating them big with the pizza 
and the damn sandwich. I I hardly ever do that. I've learned, I've learned how my metabolism metabolism works, and I've learned how my body works. So I've learned how much I can eat and how much I need to exercise to stay in my consistent weight. That's all it is. See, I already fucked that up. <laughs> you know, Dude, I know I fucked okay. it up. Okay, because I can't wipe my ass easily. That's <laughs> what you thought. So that's that's how. Yeah, Anyways. I. I, yeah. Anyways, everybody, thanks for listening. Rate and review. We appreciate you. Have a fantastic day doing whatever you're doing. Seahawk Predator out. <laughs>